Breaking the Panel is made possible by you and other listeners just as awesome as you are. If you want to support the show and get a little something in return, just go to patreon.com slash breaking the panel because we do appreciate the help. But let's wait and see what the final product is. And if the final product is like just race baiting horrific garbage, then we'll, we'll call a spade a spade and we'll talk about it on this show, I promise you. Yeah, we're never apologists. We just say it how we see it. Unless DC gave Charles a different opinion, then we'll let you know next week. <laughs> yeah, have you checked in with your overlords lately? <laughs> we'll be back right after this, bro. Put an ass whooping on the boys. <laughs> These days, the comic book owns pop culture. You'll find it all in the panel of your favorite comic book. Us, we're living the comics life. We're breaking the panel. And here it is. It is the podcast you've been waiting for. Breaking the panel. I, the rock god of podcasting, Charles McFall. Over to my left, the the Miles Morales of Spider-Man, Paul Klotz. No. no. I knew <laughs> No, 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 no. no. <laughs> No, that is an injustice. I did that up. <laughs> uh, the the Rosie O'Donnell podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Sad. And I like Rosie. I like her. I'm just saying. Uh, or at least I used to. I don't know what she's done lately, but whatever. Very sad. <laughs> Nobody likes her. Slave, you you know what, Klaus? You brought it on though. When you tweaked the giant size team up page and made her tag, come on and slam. I was like, all right, I can do that. <laughs> Let's do it. So, hey, 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 we've got a lot of great things going on today. First off, we had a great panel last week, guys, with Logan. Uh, any extra thoughts? Have you gone back to see it again since we did the panel? I haven't. I thought that's what we decided during the panel. <laughs> was that the rule? One, the, Travis's rule was yeah. watch it once and done. One and done. <laughs> <laughs> Casey was an advocate for that, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm actually going to see it a second time when it comes uh, to streaming or DVD or something uh, for the kids and the family because I didn't get to take them with me uh, this time around when I went to see it. But I, I, the more I process, the more I want to see it again. this movie? Hold yeah, on. Have you, no, you have. I was like, oh. have you met my kids? Hold on. Yes. Let, me, let me get CPS on speed dial here real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Hello? This man is doing bad things. <laughs> uh, I, I, yes. There's no. I don't see. Uh, I there's violence. I assume you're talking about your older kids, right? Well, all of them will probably start watching it, and then the two little ones will get bored. Well, didn't didn't he say that he's let them watch Fan Four Stick, so he can't do anything? Worse <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. Done. See, Chris <laughs> brings up a valid point. Yeah, they they did watch that. Can only be up from here. Everybody watched Deadpool. My wife made me fast forward to the holiday sex scenes, uh, but that was about it. I was like, I, I, I've started. I don't know, man. I treat my kids differently. I talk to them about reality and real life stuff since the time they could start comprehending some of the concepts. <laughs> Do each of those conversations start out? Because <laughs> if that's how they're predicated, I <laughs> there is no answer to that at this point in time until uh, statute of limitations pass. Uh, oh my! <laughs> well, yeah, it, it, there are there are times when I look at something like, "No, that's too much for you. It, it's going to mess up." But for the most part, yeah, okay. The mommy was a great one. 
The Mummy, most of us see that as just a whatever film. I use that as a break-in film for them when they were six or seven to say, hey, it's just a movie. And I need you to understand it's just a movie. So, yeah, there might be some scary stuff for a six-year-old. And I mean, the Mummy's what, PG-13, the, the first Mummy, not the mm-hmm. reboot mm-hmm. they haven't seen yet. Has it even come out? Did the reboot no, come out? Or is that... it, has, it hasn't come out yet. It hasn't come out yet. Okay. It was just that one of those teaser trailers that was a year out or something. So, uh, but yeah, they watched the Brandon Fraser mummy. And while there's some scary parts, it helped get them to understand movies are just movies. I mean, they're going to be great podcast hosts when they grow up. Cause either they're going to tell great stories and understand the world and understand comics, or they're going to have just damage upon damage on damage to talk about on the air. Cause daddy can't afford a th- uh, therapist. So you're going to have to use a microphone. Like I did my votes <laughs> for the second one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, I, I'm absolutely looking forward to seeing Logan again. And honestly, you know, honestly, give me your take. Uh, uh, Chris, you've got two young kids now. What in Logan is non-kid friendly? I mean, yeah, they're violence. Oh, there's yeah, movies. Eh, yeah, well, briefly. Well, my kids were breastfed, so it's <laughs> <laughs> they've seen their share. By you, uh, yeah. um. <laughs> it's called a it's called a sympathy bra. <laughs> you put milk in it, and you can you, you know you got to take a turn. God, you know, a little side note. I've actually already started teaching my older one. Not not like showing it to him, not doing any of that mess, but like, okay, you're starting to have access to the internet, and you're really, if you haven't already, you're really going to be interested in seeing girls. And I've told him, if you want to see guys, that's okay, too. I'm, whatever. He's like, I'm not gay. I'm like, hey, I'm honestly not judging, man. Whatever floats your boat. But I've already started saying, look, when you're ready to look stuff up, you have to talk to me because there's so much bad juju out there. And there's things you cannot unsee. So <laughs> let me show you how to get what you're looking for. And it hasn't come to that point yet. But he's please, about to be 12. So Please tell me after that conversation. Since then, you've started calling him your little flamion. Please. <laughs> <laughs> please tell me that. <laughs> that is an actual reference from Pokemon Go podcast about See, uh, I, four episodes back. I, I don't know what's going to be more traumatizing for him is being called flamion. Or having his father show him the good stuff. <laughs> well, I'm not going to sit there and look at it as like, okay, we're about to dive into rated R territory, so let's reel it back. Uh, well, so this yeah. is what daddy likes. <laughs> two goats. Uh, Only two goats. If you go above that, that's weird, and I can't get behind that. <laughs> uh uh, my daughter, who is 10, has played through season one of Walking Dead, and she's reading the comics. I'm like, mm, there's some really dark. I just told her, I was like, look, there's some really dark stuff in the comics, and you'll understand what you understand if you want to talk to me about any of it. Because I was thinking about Michonne and what happens with the, the mayor or the governor. Uh-huh. Yeah, like, oh, mm, yeah. I- I, at some point, I'm like, I don't really want you to see that, but on the other hand, I'd rather let you be interested in comics and explain some of the really bad juju in a safe space hmm. type of deal. So, yeah, that's, but that one, that, that one's weird. That's a tough one. Um, yeah. If I can speak from my personal yep. experience, I, I kind of got into a lot of stuff that was way ahead of my, my age and relative maturity as a kid. Um, like I started reading like, you know, those teen like slasher romance books. 
yeah, pretty early. You. you know, the ones that were like kind of like murder mysteries, but also had like all the like you know your typical like Friday the Thirteenth, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street type stuff. Like mm-hmm. you know the, it's like oh somebody's killing everybody, and oh, oh look, all the couples are hooking up too. Um, and I had a lot of questions coming out of that kind of stuff, and then other stuff that I had read at different points. Like, and it it was really difficult for me at times to kind of figure stuff out because I was afraid to talk to my parents about things mm-hmm. and be like, so I, I read this thing or I saw this movie and I have no idea. <laughs> like, please tell me what was going on. Um, but it sounds like you have the kind of, you've established a kind of relationship where your kids can approach you and be like, Hey, so what's the deal with this? And you'll at least try to yeah. help them through it. Um, I think that's an important step. Cause I mean, the reality is, yeah. Kids today are growing up on the internet. They have access. Yeah, oh, I mean, God, yeah. I mean, it was rough for us growing up in the '80s and '90s, and you know what I mean, like the late '70s. Even like some of the movies that we were able to see, like before, like PG-13 was actually a thing. You know what I mean? Back when things were either rated R or rated PG, and PG meant like murder. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, very easily it could mean murder and blood and guts and all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. uh, and even like heavy petting and light sex, you know what I mean? Like there was yeah. a lot that got away with PG. And so the kids growing up on the internet today though, are just going to be like, Oh, you know, a lot of that stuff's old hat for them. They're not even phased by it. I mean, I especially see that in some of the communities I interact with when I see kids, not kids per se, but you know, like teenagers, college students who are like, I mean, they've grown up in the, they've seen all the slasher films and everything, and they're unfazed by them. Half the time, they don't even care. Yeah. Uh, yeah that, that's the thing I remember growing, uh, meeting adults who are the same age as me. I never grew up watching that stuff. I, I was see, I was sheltered, and nothing was ever explained to me, and my parents tried to keep everything away from me. And so, but the thing is, I was an avid reader. So at age 10, I'm reading Ten Little Indians by Agatha Christie. I think that's who wrote it. Yeah, Ten Indians, Agatha Christie, and, and those murder novels that were highbrow, but they're they're not. They're like, what, what, what's happening? In my brain, like you're saying, my brain getting the stuff. I never got explained, so I definitely want that. But then, man, this internet thing. My kids had a, a, a chat app that I was keeping a control on uh, that wouldn't like access the world, but you had to have a code kick. If anybody is familiar with that, and I was letting them chat with their friends, and then all of a sudden, my daughter's in a chat room. And I'm starting to see notifications come up from like Perv09 and stuff like, uh, nope, lost all that privileges. And they got yelled at. And I was like, so there's a fine line. I there is no sheltering them. So I had to lean in. And there's some things like, no, you're not ready for. And they accept that. But I definitely have to lean in and stay on them. Dude, the other day, my 12-year-old, well, he's almost 12. He's, he'll be 12 in a month. But Oakland, Harden was walking around the house and says, la, 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 da. The D, it's a D double O G. I'm like, Snoop Dogg. I'm like, boy, where the hell did you get that from? Because I know I haven't played it for you yet. I've been trying to, but you won't sit down with me and listen to the old school stuff. Uh, but somewhere, probably in memes or something, he's picked up Snoop Dogg stuff. Mm-hmm. And who knows what else he's getting into. So, yeah, I definitely, it, it, every generation says it, and it's always true. It ain't easy being a parent, man. Oh, yeah. It's, it's just different. Uh, so I'm just going to let Deadpool babysit my kids. and <laughs> that's, that's wise. That doesn't sound like that could go poorly at all. <laughs> oh. Uh, so, all right. We've got uh, this headline here. Logan, Legion, and Deadpool. Fox has perfected the formula DC is looking for. I, before we get into this, I've gotten behind on Legion a little bit because I had a problem with the app on my tablet. But I saw three, four episodes. Absolutely worth watching. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm, I've got episode four waiting in the queue for me. Um, I've seen, so I've seen the first three and it is such a mind F. I love this show so much. Yeah. And it's, it's, I still, I, I, what I'm three episodes in and I still can't tell you for sure that I'm convinced that any of this is happening outside of his head. I know. Right. It, it's, yeah. Uh, it is. Yeah. 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 This has a, I've only seen the first episode, but right away I picked up on how it has a very like, I guess I almost want to say like Twin Peaks or Lost kind of feel to it. You know what I mean? Like where very it's nonlinear. Yeah. Yeah. You can't tell what's real, what's upside. You know what I mean? Like what's going like, yeah, you can't figure out what's happening in sequence sometimes. And yeah, so it's, it's really well crafted. I, I'm very surprised. Well, I'm going to tell you, Klotz, the first one is the most confusing. This is for the general public too, but the first one is the most confusing. Because they really are establishing the whole what's going on in his mm-hmm. head, and you're all over the place. But it just gets deeper and deeper and deeper every episode. It is so good, man. Hmm. Um, not, th- I don't think this will spoil anything, but Chris, have you gotten to where they're doing the memory walking? Yes. So, yeah, when you get to that, because that's a mutant power. He can recreate memories, and you're awakening them and looking at them and stuff. Dude, even that starts getting freaky and and changing things, and it, it it's the actor too who plays Legion. I'm, I don't think I've ever seen him anything before. Excellent. Yeah, I haven't Excellent. either. But he looks like uh, what's his, uh, the dude that was in um, oh, God, Lee one. Miller. No, no, um, the British dude. He was on a Band of Brothers, and he was on the Stephen King movie. Uh, he was on. Uh, Homeland. He was the, like the main guy in Homeland for the first four seasons, three or four seasons. Manny Patinkin. <laughs> no, 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 no. The... I actually there. I could. Oh, 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 oh. God, he was in Life on ABC. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, I like him he too. Looked... He's in Billion Billions now on Showtime. Yeah, yep, Billions. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember his name either, but he's a redhead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they do look similar. I'll give yeah. you that. I, I would. I would. If you told me that was his son, I wouldn't doubt it at all. Dude, now that actor. I, I tried, for some reason, Homeland just didn't register with me. I, I couldn't care, and I tried, because I love him and stuff. Mm-hmm. Really? I love how he does. Homeland didn't what? register with you? And no, I just... I, I mean, I've heard good things. I haven't watched it. I mean... I've heard uh, great things, and I can't say it's a bad show. I just... I uh, I don't know. I just... It didn't click with me. I just didn't that, care. I love that show. It's good stuff. Good stuff. I love the people in it. I mean, I... I, I Claire Danes has been okay in, in her history of me watching. She's okay, but I love Mandy Patinkin, mm-hmm. and I love uh, – I wish I could remember his name, but I love the main actor there too yeah. uh, that we were just talking about. Uh, but, yeah, it just, nah, just didn't do it for me. So who's reading this? What are we talking about? We're talking about Logan, Legion, and Deadpool. Uh, well, I, I don't know that I really want to – to read it but so yeah so we'll we'll talk because they get at the point uh whenever a big superhero movie comes out nowadays there's always some level of discussion about the marvel formula how well does always within it subvert it or improve on it and what this article is going on to say is that fox has nailed the the formula that dc's been trying to get and make a darker more gritty um superhero movie and so that this is the formula that, that dc's been trying to get they're just doing it the right way and I'm not prepared to take that leap with them because I think for me, the, this article gets the Marvel formula incorrect because Marvel's 
Marvel's formula, to me, what I've seen, especially in its strongest properties, when you're talking, you know, Iron Man when it first came out, when you're talking Winter Soldier, when you're talking uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, even Ant-Man, it was Marvel figured out early on that these don't have to be superhero movies. They just have to be movies about superheroes. Which is kind of like their comics, right? Right. And you can make it whatever genre you want. And that's what these have done. I, I mean... Logan, we we talked about it ad ad nauseum about how it's it's a it's a modern day western or or uh, or um, yeah 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 uh, it's a story right, about yeah. a character. It's yeah. not about what happens to him. It's about him. Right, and you what they did is they're taking the characters and they're putting them in a situation or in a story that services the characters and allows them to still be those characters, but in a in a different genre than just a straight superhero movie. Like Ant Man was. You know, an Ocean's Eleven movie. It was it was a heist yeah, movie. It's a heist movie. Uh, Winter Soldier is that that political thriller. Guardians of the Galaxy was sci-fi in a way that sci-fi hasn't been since 1977. Um, it's when they do when they're at the top of their game, it's because they're busting the genre, and I think that's the formula that everybody needs to go to. Um, and that's that's where Deadpool, Logan, and and Legion even are starting to excel because when we we were just talking about Legion and we're we're talking about other awesome properties that aren't comic book, but they slid this character into it easily. Yeah. 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 Uh, I honestly don't know what black Panther film is going to be about, but a political thriller would fit it perfectly. Oh yeah. It's got to be something akin to winter soldier. Or it's not going to be right. You know? Yeah. I mean? um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, the thing, the big thing about Deadpool and Logan is that they stayed true to the characters. And I think, Chris, this is your big issue with the DC stuff, uh, you know, the DC films, is that while they're trying to be evocative of a certain feel and a certain vibe, they're missing the characters themselves. The characters are not what we're accustomed to, you know what I mean? Or what we expect out of those characters. Where in Deadpool, 100% on the mark, that is Deadpool. Like, I mean, I don't know that... We could. I don't know, like when Ryan Reynolds decides to hang up his hood, that Deadpool could ever be done by anybody else. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. At least, at least not. You know, without the mask on, and I mean, even then, it, it'd be tough to find somebody who nails it like he nailed it. Um, and that is somebody who invested themselves in that character. The, the writing staff invested them into the character, and they they created the best possible product that they could keeping that character's heart and soul alive. And the same thing with Logan. Logan, you know, there's some things, we talked about it last week, you can go listen to that, we talked about a lot of ups and a couple of nitpicky things. You can pick apart a few of the things, some of the choices in Logan, but ultimately, that was absolutely Logan slash Wolverine, that was absolutely Charles Xavier, you know, and that was their relationship that had been established from the very yeah. from the get go, and it, it's no not that different than their relationship in the comics. Though comics has a much wider breadth, so there's a lot of different eras that you could pull from where things might have been very different. But ultimately, that's the core. You know that almost father son relationship was highlighted a lot, and that was two actors at the top of their game executing in a story that was sculpted for them to do that. And that's, what's important. You can't take, sorry, Charles, you can't Mm -hmm. take the Michael Bay approach where you're just like, (laughs) I have this hot property. 
I'm going to let 10,000 people write different scripts and I'm going to pick my favorite action scenes out of all of them and make a hodgepodge piece of garbage. I mean, don't get me wrong. Michael Bay's films are entertaining. Like I, I have a good time watching some of them. Some of them annoy me so much though, that I get really angry. Um, but like, ultimately they're good, dumb fun, but that's not what we want out of our comic films. We want, right. You know, we want legitimate, like pay homage to the characters that we care about, rip them off the pages. That's something that the Netflix shows have really done. Well, uh, thus far we'll, we'll withhold judgment on iron fist. Cause we haven't seen it yet. You know, I mean, this weekend, yeah. <gasps> uh, you know, daredevil, absolutely. Daredevil's pacing doesn't resonate with everybody. And a lot of people don't like the dark, gritty storytelling. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying yeah. like, a lot of people in the comic fandom, but like, there's a lot of people that's just not their speed. And that's fine. That's what that's I- my wife. I could not. She watched the first episode. Couldn't get her to watch yeah. the rest, but she watched all of Jessica Jones and she watched all of Luke Cage. And I've talked to people who love Daredevil, who enjoyed Luke Cage and could not get through Jessica Jones. Yeah. Psychological mm-hmm. thriller just isn't their thing. And that's completely OK. It's OK if, if you stay loyal to the character and you tell the right stories, you're going to lose some people. But that's fine. Because you're going to make the people who really care happy. And that's what you have. That's what the goal really has to be uh, for me. You know what I mean? Is you've got to you've got to really set your sights on. Let's hit those people who actually really passionately care about these characters because their their enthusiasm, their buzz is going to sell tickets. It's going to sell subscriptions to Netflix. You know what I mean? Like everything. Because Logan, I got every I got all of you to go see it right away. Right. Yes, you did. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I went to go see it because the reviews were so stellar. I mean, like, when you see people who write for relatively conservative publications who are generally like your, they don't rate comic films very high, but they, like, tend to, like, focus on Oscar material films. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When they rate a film like that, good, and they start saying stuff like, you know, surprisingly good and, you know, kind of transcends the genre is the way I put it. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. I take notice. I'm like, all right, that's important. That's notable because that means people who are predisposed to hate this stuff because they really do. I mean, there's some people out there who write reviews. We talked about it before with Rotten Tomatoes. You know, you go check Rotten Tomatoes and you go look at like some of the top reviews and you look at the negative ones on something like Guardians of the Galaxy or, you know, any of the Marvel films really. And it's like, why do you even review these films? Why did they assign this to you? Because you hate (laughs) this. You hate everything about this. Um, You know, but when people like that are like begrudgingly like, you know, this is actually a really touching film and a really powerful movie. That's when I take notice. And so when I see that coming out of people who are predisposed to to not like it, and then the people who love that character are gushing, I'm going to go. And then I'm going to tell my friends. And it, that's exactly what happened. I personally sold a handful of tickets by getting you guys to go opening weekend. Yeah. So we could do our panel. I mean, we weren't going to do a panel for Logan. And we just, we had kind of like, hey, are we thinking, and nobody really was very committal until I was sitting there afterwards and I was like, we absolutely have to do this. Is that where you posted that from? From the theater? Yes. I was sitting, <laughs> I was sitting there in the credits. You know, we talked about this a little bit on the panel, but the when you know a film is triumphant is when you're at the end of, of the film and you're sitting there and nobody gets up. Nobody starts milling about and rustling, you know, all their papers and their popcorn bags and all that stuff, getting their coats and everything. People were just sitting there. Almost the entire theater was sitting there in almost stunned silence. 
I'm part of it was I think they were waiting for a stinger, but like ultimately, I really think most people were just sitting there processing, and mm-hmm. some conversation started cropping up within a few seconds. But like, it wasn't like normal where you see half the theater like book it for the door, you know what I mean? The other half yeah. like start talking loudly. Everybody was pretty somber in a good way, like in a very respectful like this was a thing, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so that's when you can identify a slam dunk, and when you look at something like BVS. BVS could have had moments like that. BVS could have, like, you could have kept a similar structure to what you had going on story-wise if you had done it right. And you could have, like, at the end of the film, people could have been like, man, that was some pretty powerful, screwed-up stuff that just happened, and I cannot wait for Justice League. You know what I mean? Instead, people were like, eh, and they just kind of walk out. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So... I mean, that's the thing is like, there's, there's potential there, but you've got to do it right. And I mean, it's tough because the box office tells a different story when you look at somebody like Michael Bay and the films he produces because everything has its place. Yeah. Right. Pride and prejudice and zombies. Yeah. Right. It did okay for itself. As far as I can tell, Mm -hmm. Uh, not something I want to jump on, not something that standard Jane Austen fans will watch. But there, there's there's Sharknado four is being made. I think it is four, right. four five, six, whatever. There's a place for everything. Right, right. It, nobody wants to necessarily see an Ingrid Bergen film festival, but he has his place in movie making. Uh, well, yeah, and it, to, yeah. to qualify a little bit, like Michael Bay making Ninja Turtles and Transformer films is far better than him trying to make like Logan. You know what I mean? Oh, God, yeah. No. You know what I mean? No. Like, it, those are, th- let's be real, those are adapted from shows that were adapted from toys, okay? Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. the, the toys came first. Those were Honestly, children's toys. I mean. G.I. Joe would have done better if Michael Bay had done it. I'm just saying. Uh, the, fr- yeah. the first G.I. Joe was okay. It was okay. I think the what really, one was not. I think what really hurt the second one is they lost all of those cast members. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, they lost all. All of that talent. Like, the only person who stuck around was, uh, what's his name? And then he was, like, gone in the first, like, ten minutes of the movie, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Duke. Yeah, Yeah, Duke, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, uh... Magic Mike himself, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's messy, but on the heels of Logan... Now, to wrap this up, Fox, hear us now. It's not the R rating that sold the tickets mm-hmm. is that the character that you were servicing, that you were telling the story of needed the R rating to be serviced properly. Legion is an FX show because it's a little darker. It's definitely edgier and he means that. However, fantastic four. If you would tell a character driven story with this kind of treatment, PG 13 will work just fine. Mm-hmm. You know, and stop trying to like reinvent the wheel. Like, <sighs> yeah, like yeah. you're not, you're not gonna make Fantastic Four hip and cool, okay? They're Marvel's first family. <laughs> They're geeky crap, and you have to hate them every once in a while. Yeah, I mean, I mean, to be fair, the 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 <laughs> the first two films were decent as far as making mm. them more appealing. You know, like I mean, they cast. You know, at the time, young, hot stars and starlets in those roles, yes. except for you know, thing of Chickless, obviously not not a not a young stud at that point. Um, they cast talented actors who had a lot of popularity at the time. It's just that the scripts themselves sucked. I don't well, think yeah. they perform. 
What? Go ahead. Well, and I think the the problem with it, I mean, the scripts, yeah, weren't weren't that that great. But I think that's again, it goes back to those scripts were predicated on those on those being superhero movies, mm-hmm. and it it's, superhero does not translate as easily from comic book page to visual medium uh emotion picture medium as as you would think especially when it's not an animated yeah medium but like i still i'm still firmly in the camp that that it was the writing that went wrong with fan four stick it was i i don't i don't know the behind the scenes between the studio and the director um i know watching um what was the movie that he did that got him fan four stick i can't even think of the i'm having a bad day yeah, you are. Uh, not not the Jumper. Alzheimer's. Yeah, not Jumper. Oh, God, Jumper was... Yeah, but it, it wasn't... a great movie if it... Uh, if it didn't... Wait, was he the guy who did Looper, or...? No, 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 no. He did the other... With the, the powers. The kid that had the powers. and the, All the the four buddies had the powers. The three buddies had oh, the powers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, based on that movie, to me, what... if That's one of those genre-busting things, or, that you, or a genre film right there that you plug the Fantastic Four into a straight sci-fi. Like, they should be lost in space with mm-hmm. superpowers is what they should be. And nobody approaches it like that. It's always, they're superheroes, and one of them happens to be a scientist, and the rock guy can fly things. And that's not that's not the proper service that you give those characters. Let what they do shine out front, and just their talents are their talent. Their, their superpowers are their talents. That's, you know, they're right-handed just the same as they can stretch or catch on fire. Yeah. And I, I, think the, I think the direction was the right, and I, I, I don't disagree with the bold choice of doing that not in a superhero fashion. Just it, it wasn't the best outcome. The, the follow-through wasn't there was the problem. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, but I, I, you know, say it again. If if Fox will do a Fantastic Four movie like this, like Logan, like Deadpool, like Legion, they will make, they will rival Marvel. They will give Marvel a run for their money if they would just pay attention to the characters. I just don't know that yeah. they're capable of it. I, they've done two movies in a show, so somebody over there is doing something right. Mm, we'll see. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how that all works out. So, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, now, we're transferring to doing something not so right. We're still having the debate and the argument over Ghost and a Shell. And Klotz, you know, just let's, let's skip ahead <sighs> to the soapbox. Okay. So, uh, you know, if you've been listening to this show at all, uh, we've talked about the Ghost and the Shell whitewashing uh, controversy quite a bit. And uh, so this past week, BuzzFeed featured an article uh, which had a video that's a a PSA from a couple of uh, Asian American uh, stand-up comics about how, you know, like kind of like a, a PSA about how they feel about the whole casting a white woman as the major thing. And I'm just going to, like, basically, very briefly kind of, like, give you an idea of what the video covers. There'll be a link in the show notes. But um, the video basically shows a young Asian girl, uh, you know, going to a bookstore and she sees other young girls looking at various comic books. And it definitely shows, like, your DC and your Marvel type stuff. Uh, and, you know, they, they show, they make a point to show all these different covers with these, you know, mostly white characters but also you know 
some other ethnicities, but really no Asian characters. And then she gets to the corner of the, the shop and she finds uh, Ghost in the Shell uh, sitting there. And it's a big tome compared to, you know, the thin comics. It's this big book. It's a collection, and, right? It's yeah, like it's the, the full, book. yeah. And she picks it up and she's she flips through it and she's amazed. Because, it, it, you know, clearly the message is she sees somebody who reflects a bit of herself. You know, she sees somebody who looks like her representation, you know. And I want to make it very clear. Uh, I firmly understand the, the need for representation. I acknowledge it. What I'm about to say has nothing to do with me, you know. What you're saying is we have stood on the side of Asians do need more roles. Mm-hmm. And there is an issue with changing characters to be white. There is an issue. We acknowledge that. We're not discussing right. that. We're discussing this PSA and how right. I missed uh, the the end. Of, yeah, the end of the PSA it then uh, shows a, a much older Asian woman, Asian American, presumably teenage. Uh, which, the first girl was what eight, ten. The second was like teen to twenty. Twenties. She's because it's one sure. of the, it's one of the two comedians, right? Um, uh, where she's walking along and she sees a poster for the film. And she looks at it, and she looks at Scarlett Johansson, and then she looks down at the ground, very sad, and walks away. And you hear, do, 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 do. So, basically, a kind of heavy-handed bit of storytelling. Um, Very heavy-handed. But the... the, Well, yeah, so here's the thing, getting into it. Um, I saw this and the person that I originally saw shared on Facebook, I kind of talked to them a little bit. Um, I haven't had a chance to really have a face-to-face conversation with them and they know who they are. They're out there. They're a listener to the show. Um, I'm sure there'll be more conversations about this in the future, but um, I brought it to Chris right away. I was like, what's your take on this? And then ultimately we showed it to Charles just before the show today. And so I'm going to, here's my thing. And this is where I'm going to get up on the soapbox. The problem I have with this PSA is that it hits all the wrong tone. First of all, it shows a very young girl walking into a bookstore. Unsupervised, fingering all the comics. Yeah. Uh, Language. Okay, that sounded dirty, but you know what I'm saying. Um, She walks Touching things she should not be touching. Yeah, she walks in. make it better. Uh, I'm sorry. I'll shut up now. I'll stop. She walks into the store. Um, she sees a bunch of other young girls completely unattended looking at these comic books and the comic books that those girls are looking at aren't like Archie. They're like, you know, the full fledged breadth of the Marvel and DC comic lines. You know what I mean? And it's got scantily clad female characters and it's got violence and everything. And then she kind of wanders through all of that and gets over to this ghost in the shell collection and she picks that up and she's flipping through that and the thing is ghost in the shell is not intended well i I don't know what the original creator's intent was but it's not appropriate for children in our especially in our western culture we would not consider the the subject matter and the content within ghost in the shell appropriate for a young child especially not supervised you know what i mean and she goes in and she finds this character that supposedly represents her. And it's this, you know, it's this whole heavy handed thing. And it's like, this doesn't add up. You know what I mean? Like this is a really weak argument because 
this is not the real situation of what's going on. This isn't who's actually getting affected by this. You know what I mean? It's not the young girl who's like 8 to 12. You know what I mean? That feels yeah. soul crushed that Ghost in the Shell was cast with a white lead. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I, I still have that burning issue that I had when I first watched it and I yelled it at you guys. <laughs> Is that the particular Ghost in the Shell one they picked? And this is a slight issue with some manga, with some comics that are supposed to be Asian-based. They look American. They look white. And this particular book that they used in the PSA, I literally had to rewind it and look at it to make sure I saw what I saw. Because I could not tell the difference between that character and the character she had just looked at that she sat about and put down, other than the name on the comic. And like, how do you see yourself here and not there? Literally, it's the same exact drawing almost. Oh, okay, literally is the wrong word here. It is is very very similar in drawing. Why wouldn't you actually get one of the ghosts in the shells that is obviously Asian? Why wouldn't you pick a different? You know, I understand what you're trying to say, but you you did it well, in all the wrong ways. I think I think the reality is the major is kind of a culturally ambiguous in visual representation character yes her, her name in you know both in the manga and in the anime is very japanese you know what i mean it's it's definitely a japanese name there's no refuting that um and the story has a lot of heavily themed you know plot points and sub story subtext and everything that is rooted in japanese culture in japanese society and in japanese ways of thought you know what i mean like that's that's all very much there but the character itself the way it's represented in the art is a bit ambiguous and you know this kind of extends as you said charles there's a lot of manga and anime that shows characters with japanese names in very japanese settings that do not have even remotely japanese or even asian features or you know personality traits or you know any of that uh it's very common because there's kind of this thing in in a lot of Asian culture, like, you know, uh, this is really, this is a minefield. All right. So like, for example, in beauty and fashion, there's an interest in a lot of Asian cultures to emulate the West and acquire style and fashion and even the look that some Westerners have, because, you know, in their ethnicity, you know, their ethnic background, it like, Lighter hair, lighter skin. Well, lighter skin is obviously present, but like lighter hair, you know, yellow hair, yellow slash blonde hair, orange hair, red hair, however you want to call it. You know what I mean? Those things are very uncommon. You know what I mean? They're they're not genetically predisposed for those traits. They just don't occur in that region very readily. It's not to say that it doesn't happen at all, but it just doesn't. You know what I mean? So there's an interest in it and they want, you know. Like anything, when you see something that you find beautiful or interesting outside of the norm for your culture, you're going to be drawn to it. And so they are. And so that's represented in their art very commonly. Uh, one of the ones I like to bring up is Bleach. Bleach is a very popular anime. The main character, his name is Ichigo Kurosaki. He has a very Japanese name. Uh, the theme of that that show is that they wear you know, traditional feudal Japanese outfits and they carry around... Uh, uh, swords which are called zanpakuto which are their spirit swords and they they manifest in different ways but ultimately they all have katanas on their waists you know what i mean it's very rooted 
in feudal Japanese background, except the themes and many of the characters, including the main character, are not presented with traditionally Asian, you know, looks or any of that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? As a matter of fact, it gets called out in the, I don't know if it does in the manga, but in the anime, it does at different points that they don't look like other Asian people look, you know, other Japanese people look, you know what I mean? But there's also a, a reverence for other cultures. Cause there's also a, a strong Spanish sub theme in bleach uh, as well as uh, there's a little bit of, they touch on some German themes and German names, naming conventions and stuff like that as well. There's a reverence for other cultures and it's present there. And some of the stuff kind of like there's a couple of very clearly black themed characters that are very black exploitation esque. You know what I mean? Yes. So there's stuff like that that goes on too. So the point I'm trying to make is like the the medium is not devoid of cultural diversity. It's there, even though the core, you know, obviously it's created by Japanese people. It is rooted in Japanese culture and society, and it pulls its themes from that. It also explores a very diverse multicultural future. Ghost in the Shell in particular kind of represents that. Um, And so I don't think it's always fair to just like make a big issue all the time out of something like this when we're talking about an adaptation from a manga slash anime on the flip side, if you wanted to make like the last samurai and which is already a movie, that's kind of like a touchy subject for some people because you know, Tom Cruise, big Western star and plays a Western character that is anachronistic and does not represent what actually happened in that era really at all, but it's a story, whatever. Um, yeah. What I like about that film is it shows that it's possible for a Westerner to be thrust into a culture that's completely outside of the norm for them and to initially go in kicking and screaming, but to then, you know, almost be forced to gain respect, but then very much have respect for that culture and reverence for it and to see that the destruction of that culture is, you know, is criminal and is horrible and it's something that he decides to fight to preserve. You know, even though he wasn't born of it, even though, you know, he was kind of thrust into it, he realizes the the nobility and the worth of that culture. And he tries to take steps to try to, if he can't save it, he commits himself to it fully and is willing to go, you know, because that's kind of the story of Last Samurai is he's willing to go down with the, with the fight, if you will. Um, if they cast the daimyo, the samurai lord, with a, you know, a white person and put them in, you know, yellow face and, you know, the word makeup, that would be bad. That would be obviously pretty messed up, right? Mm-hmm. I think we're in agreement on that because that would yeah. be... But they didn't. That's a Western film that cast prominent Japanese actors, and they were fantastic, and they've done other stuff. I've seen Ken Watanabe show up in Western movies. You know what I mean? He's not a top bill over here like he is in Japan and, you know, other parts of Asia, but he... He's shown up in Western films. He's done a great job, too. Uh, I mean, he was in Batman Begins. Mm-hmm. Um, you know? He was Raish. Air quotes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Raish. And he was, you know, it's good. And the other thing is, he often, you know, he's a prominent Japanese actor who often portrays kind of stereotypical takes on Asian culture and Japanese culture in particular. 
but you know, people got to eat, so I'm not going to begrudge them that. Um, the point I'm making is there's a reference on both sides for certain aspects of our cult, you know, our cross cultures and the the multi diversity of the world we live in today. And I think there's some cases where it's very clear that it's not okay. Like one of the other things I've seen going around is this video pointing out all the, the you know, all the examples in Western filmmaking history of like yellow face and taking, you know, roles, that, really bad stereotypical Asian roles that have been played by white people, or even if they're played by Asians that they're, it's just really over the top, like caricatures of how people really are. And like they're they're going back to like Breakfast at Tiffany's and like a lot of older films, films that were from a completely different era, films that were from a completely different moment in our history when we did not realize as a unified culture that doing that kind of stuff is not okay. Mm-hmm. We do realize that nowadays. This isn't quite the same. I mean, that's my take on it. Like. I don't think that Scarlett Johansson was out to steal somebody's job. I don't think anybody was out there to deny, you know, an Asian actress this chance. I just think they found the best person that they felt for the job. Whether that's right or wrong, we'll see when the movie comes out in a couple of weeks because it's right around the corner now at this point. Um, and in all fairness, if the movie comes out and it's just trash, I'll be the first to be like, that was a real shit pile and please poop all over it. You know what I mean? Yeah, because nobody on this panel is defending Dragon Ball. No, <laughs> right, and that's you know that's another example. They cast a white guy for that role. That was probably not the best play. You know, I don't. Oh, come nobody, on. But Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat. They cast a French guy to be the one Asian in the in the film, right? Uh, not the one, but okay. well, not the one, but the <laughs> the one. Yeah. I don't even know. Well, there can only there can be only ah, one. I made you so. do it. I made you do it. <laughs> oh no, you have a great point, uh, Klotz, and you said it well. We're, we got to move on to other stuff, but more conversation is what changes things. The yelling, the screaming, the PSAs—if they hit the mark, are great. But this one, where it's just, oh, I'm sad. Yeah, well, Talking. Let's, well, let's let's get the word out. It's not only that, but it, it's my my problem with it was was there's so many other messages in there that it completely ignores. Like you you do, you want to talk about uh, poor body image uh, mm-hmm. for, for 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 young women, and that's yeah. I I I don't want to stereotype or generalize, but manga is one of the worst offenders of that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And the and the, yeah. the the female form that that little girl saw on the cover of that that there is in no way shape or form Mm-mm. speaking to that little girl. Again, this is an alabaster heroine speaking with a girl that has a lot more melanin in her in her skin tone than that character does. I mean, just looking at the differences of the sharp, pointy little nose on on the the female lead character, and that that young lady had a very broad nose. And yeah. just so you look Not at the, to mention the skin tight outfits, the skin tight outfit, body and, dimensions, yes, the unrealistic body proportions. Exactly. And so, what what is your message? Is your message that just that she doesn't have have Asian heroes that she can get behind, or just ignoring and and then ignoring the fact that she's a, a woman and is going to have to grow up in this world where she's stereotyped by her body? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you're forgetting other layers to this. It can't always just be a single issue with this and this this missed the mark because it was just as bad subject matter to try and defend your point on in my opinion well you know another thing stands 
I don't have exact numbers. I'm, I'm guesstimating here, okay? But I'm pretty sure that there has been far more manga publication than there is for Western comics, believe it or not. No, I don't doubt that. Because it's yeah, a I'm huge industry, right? And there's thousands upon thousands of titles. So it can almost be argued that you know, if if they're looking for their representation and their role models, there is stuff out there for them. And a lot of it has been translated into whatever particular language you want to read it in, um, generally. I mean, obviously, you know, the major ones. Um, and so it's like, there's options. You know, there's, there's characters out there that you can look to for your representation and to identify with. And if there's, like... I'm reminded of Saga, even though I haven't read it yet. We're going to read it for panel by panel at some point here soon. But when Saga first came out, I remember, uh, you know, LGBT friends of mine saying, what's amazing about this book is that there's fair and honest representation of us in it. And it's great. And they're like, this is fantastic. And I was like, that's cool. I'm, I'm glad that there's something that speaks to you like that, you know, that you feel represented by. And so, you know, I would say find something like that and push to get that made as a film. You know what I mean? To let go out there and let studios know that this is a property you're interested in, you know, like Dragon Ball, as bad as that was, or, you know, Last Airbender, um, as bad as that was. And those are great examples of how you can get it wrong. You know, you, mm-hmm. you, you cast predominantly Western slash white casts, you totally miss the mark, but that's, that's example of projects that just didn't care about the source material from the beginning. Yeah, they cared mean? about the dollar signs. That was right. It. They just stamped. Yeah, exactly. They stamped a label on it. I don't, we don't know yet if Ghost in the Shell is an example of that. That's the other thing is we got to wait for this film to come out before we can truly critique it. I don't like to dump on movies before they come out. And I realize somebody's going to bring up Ghostbusters. Um, but I even <laughs> said going into Ghostbusters, my issue with Ghostbusters was that the trailers made it look really bad. And then there was all the drama. Yes. Around it. You know what I mean? And I still stand by that. Even though I saw that film and I had a perfectly fine time, it wasn't the best film I've ever seen. It wasn't particularly memorable, but I laughed. I had a good time. I didn't regret seeing it. It still wasn't a great film. It wasn't the great, you know, savior of film that we were promised. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so Ghost in the Shell very likely won't be either. I mean, we'll see how it turns out. It could be great. It could be garbage. Who knows? But let's wait and see what the final product is. And if the final product is like just race baiting, horrific, you know, garbage dump, then we'll we'll call a spade a spade and we'll talk about it on this show. I promise you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We're never apologists. We just say how we see it. Unless DC gave Charles a different opinion, then we'll let you know next week. <laughs> yeah, have you checked in with your overlords lately? <laughs> we'll be back right after this break where I put an ass whooping on the boys. And, get <laughs> and we are back. I hope you, you missed us during that long 30 minute, 30 second break there. Uh, 30 minute break. Yeah, 30 minute break, yeah. Mike, make a 30-minute window for them to wait for us to come back with the show. Pretty sure Chris already did that a couple times when he couldn't remember things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of things that uh, you want to forget, I did watch 
the X Men Apocalypse after I watched Logan. <laughs> we told you not to. <laughs> uh, you know what? It, to, to, what reminded me of it was you were talking about DC on screen, and I just heard them use a phrase for something else. Uh, but I liked it for this movie. It's stunningly mediocre. There were some really bad moments. There's some moments I didn't understand, like why, like Weapon X. All she did was take the helmet off. How? What? That's stupid. Uh, but there were some great moments in the film that made it okay to watch. However, did you guys, I'm sure it's been forever and you probably watched it out of your brain since you've seen it, but did you pay attention during the opening sequence where it's supposed to go from Egypt to modern day and they're showing all the different things in history? They threw up the Twin Towers. Why the hell would you throw up the Twin Towers in an escapist film? Mm. Because they were there. I mean... Just, oh well, it's it does show that they're still there, yeah. Because this, this film happens in the eighties. In the eighties, exactly. So, are you just going to delete them from the New York skyline? Well, no, no, no. I don't mean the skyline. I didn't even notice them in the skyline. Yeah. I mean in the intro, as it's showing it's right, war, it's showing everything build up, yeah. build up, build up. Right. Yeah, but but yeah, I mean, they're, it's they're, they're there, and and at that time, I mean, it's one of the most. I don't know. It's weird. Well, I think I thematically, like you know, in the way that we look at the pyramids as one of humankind's greatest achievements, you can also look at the World Trade Center, which at its time of building was one of our greatest achievements. You know what I mean? It's just pointing out that our empire was, you know, like the the empire of man was taking root and building great monoliths for which apocalypse could come and tear it all down. Yeah. So there, there was, there, there, there was, I love the character of Quicksilver, although his segments always are overly silly to me. Mm-hmm. The way they do it, but it's fun. It, it, I love. I like his it's, character. Everybody else is forgettable. That scene it was fun, but in hindsight, I don't feel as amped about it as I once did. See, yeah, and I and I think that that's where Evan Peters Quicksilver is the superior Quicksilver, but it's such a one note Quicksilver mm-hmm. that it's it's and and it's not it's not his fault. It's the fault of Sarah. And, yeah. and the writers, they, they got comfortable with these rave reviews they got for that slow-mo scene. That kissing scene was great, yes. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, oh, let's just do that again. That's all people care about. Well, mm, nah, not so much, because if I wanted to watch that scene again, I'd just watch the last movie. I don't need to, you know, pay theater prices to go see it again. Right. <laughs> Although, the the where they took it with him setting up the safety of everybody, mm-hmm. that, that and, and how... Times kept moving forward, albeit at a very, very slow pace. It's exponential, right? Because explosion is instant. It was, it was, it was well done. It was just like you said, Chris. Like mm, it's just become more of the same. But so yeah, you know, it's, it's not, it's not fa- craptastic four. You know, it ranks higher than that. I think so. the other problem is like that scene breaks the reality of the film. You know what I mean? Yes. Because it shows him as being almost all powerful in that moment. Like later on in the film, there's no reason why he can't single handedly kill Apocalypse by right. using his power. There's there should be no reason for it. If he can move that quickly and do that many things in that short period of time, there's no reason why he shouldn't be able to just end Apocalypse or anybody else that he's faced with. Because none of them have a power set that counteracts that kind of power you know what i mean that speed and everything so Mm -hmm. there's just a ton of that in that film that film is brian singer phoning it in i mean that is almost i tried to be positive about it when i first saw it but the more i've let it sit on me 
I've gotten increasingly to the point where I'm almost like, I'm not sure if it's as bad as X3 or not. Like it's, it's get, whew, it's real close. Like, yeah, it's pretty X3. bad. It's, but X3 took such a hard left turn. Oh, yeah. Well, this one yeah. stayed on the crap train. Well, and the big thing about X3 is the character assassination. You know what I mean? Like, it's like all those characters are just so misrepresented. You know what I mean? And there's yeah. a lot of that in this film, too. There's a lot of it in Superman Returns. Oh, I'm stop it. Brett Ratner stop didn't ruin it. X3 as much as Brian Singer possibly destroyed Superman. What? I'm calling Uncle Trump and having him. Uh, I would. <laughs> I would say that Brett Ratner definitely destroyed X3 more than Brian Singer destroyed Superman Returns. Mm, I just... Then you, sir, did not watch the same movie I did. <laughs> well, I don't I don't have the same relationship with, you know, the red-caped Boy Scout that you do. Ugh. I mean, I don't wake up every morning in my Superman PJs and say, Oh, Clark Kent, be with me today. <laughs> Help me, Superman. You're my only hope. <laughs> He really is, and he just nobody lets him be that hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have hope, kind of. I did see an ad for this, and I know we have an email responding to it, but Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is getting a 2D reboot by Nickelodeon. What's going on there? It, it's so in uh, fall of 2008, we, sh- we, should, uh, we should get back in a two-dimensional Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, did you say 2008? No, 2018. Did I say okay. 2018? You did say 2008. I thought you were ago, we got a new 2D animated yeah. series on Nickelodeon. I What's thought wrong you were kind of making a joke about going backwards to 2D. Is all, no, no, no. I, 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 I have a firm respect for 2D art um, cartoons, but that's I think that's because that's a place I come from. So to me, when you go three-dimensional, I'm like, do I really need it? No, because the Ninja Turtles weren't in two dimen- or weren't in three dimensions, and neither was GI Joe or Transformers. Not the good right. ones, anyway. Sorry, right. all you Beast Wars lovers. Hey, I love <laughs> Beast Wars, but I agree with you. the original was cell shaded, not cell shaded, but cells and standard animation, and it was great. But so it's exciting that we're going to get back. Um, we're going to get get back to just basics with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and um, maybe it'll be less campy. It, and it's hard to say that. I, I don't want to say it's kind of tongue in cheek when I say less campy because the cartoon that we got was way campy from what Eastman and Laird first put out in comic books. Oh yeah. They wrote for adults. Right. Exactly. So it's hard to say campy what this stuff is. And it's, I think it's just because it's a different flavor. It's, it's obviously geared towards kids still, but it's not, I'm not, I'm not a kid anymore. So it's hard for me to relate to it, but I can still, I, for me, I can still watch the old episodes with my son and love every second of it. The new stuff. I just, I mean I the quote. The quote here in this article is uh, "Rise of the Te- Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles." Take the characters in a different direction with more humor, a younger and lighter feel, and an all new dimensions to dis- to explore. That, but then the line before it is, it's like based on the original comics by Peter yeah. Laird and Kevin Eastman. Yeah. I'm like, I'm glad those, you that <laughs> those are not synonymous. Like, yeah, the original, and I think the original comics had more in common with like. Daredevil. Spawn and Deadpool. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, oh yeah, they were definitely yes. like, yeah, Daredevil. Then they did with, you know, what we get in popular. Uh, right, and I think I think that was just a bad construction of the article. Um, yeah, but well, yeah, no, I, 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 by somebody who has no idea what they're talking about. Right. So I, I picked up on that same thing when I when I uh, first first read the article. But um, longtime listener and uh, supporter of the Giant Size Team Up Network and and from the Helicarrier days, uh, Frank, our favorite Australian, 
Uh, he wrote in because he's got some feelings. I don't. I don't it. know. This is a long. I don't know if I should let you read it because we laugh so hard when you do an Australian accent. Oh, I, I don't. I don't have to read it in Australian accent. I mean, you, you can. I, if Frank I, loves it, I Frank think Frank would feel it. underserved if it wasn't. But. Hey, you're, you're probably <laughs> correct. He absolutely loves the accent that you put on it. But I haven't read through it myself, so. All right, it's going to be a uh, mistake ridden, I'm sure. <laughs> like everything else you do, it's fine. Yeah, I know, good lord, but I, I won't hit any blank spots, hopefully, because I can recognize words, just not people. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I choose to start this roast now. Previously, previously, <laughs> you've talked all. You've talked about how movie trailers can be used as powerful tools to make <laughs> tools. You might just read it straight, Chris. Yeah, just read it straight, man. <laughs> All right. Powerful tools to make you want to learn no, more about No, we said read it straight. Ah, <laughs> ah, come on. Much love to all our gay ah. friends. I'm pretty sure you've alienated all yours by now, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> no. Hey, I've got one. I've got one who's actually looking at having me on the show. So I still have one good gay friend. That's good. Uh, okay. So previously you've talked you've talked about how movie trailers can be used as powerful tools to make you want to learn more about a film or as a spoilerific exposition heavy garbage. Case in point in case, Marvel trailers generally doing a pretty good job of not giving you the whole plot, while DC trailers are generally good at making you believe there is a plot. <laughs> but one, but one, one of the more recent trailers has them all beat. Power Rangers. Um for, for a start, did anyone ever think we were going to see those curl, colorful clowns again? Most late 80s, 90s properties that had had the legs to earn a silver screen reboot at least had some sense of history or lore behind them. Ninja Turtles began as an indie comic, Transformers sprung from a toy line, while He-Man got lumped, it, lumped with Dolph Lundgren. I guess you can't win them all. But Power Rangers? A cheap knockoff of Voltron done with campy Korean stunts and even cheaper rubber suits? Come on! Think I'm being too harsh? I challenge you to find a copy of the 1995 Power Rangers movie and see how much your brain hurts by the end of it. I'm still recovering two weeks after the event. And he's got a point. That's that's pretty bad. I watched it uh, like a month ago because I saw it on a Netflix or something, and I was I wanted to see if the boy could handle it. I couldn't sit through it. I was like, if he can watch it, I'm not going to watch it with him. <laughs> um, but it did have everyone's favorite version of Apocalypse in it, so that was okay. Uh, However, back to the original point, the trailer for the movie. It suffers for the most cardinal of sins, telling you the entire plot in under 60 seconds. Let's see if I've got this right. A racially diverse bunch of teenagers with attitudes find some alien rocks that give them powers. With great powers comes a great big floating head who talks of responsibility. They put on some monocolored Iron Man suits and are off to fight Elizabeth Banks, who, despite the wardrobe department trying really hard, somehow still manages to look hot. <laughs> she summons a big, she summons a big <laughs> monster to destroy the world because reasons. But then the Rangers' new Transformers toys arrive to complete the giant CG-heavy world-saving battle we all knew was coming. Roll credits. Sound familiar? That's because it's the same damn plot for every fracking episode of the show. Sure, not many childhood properties from the era hold up today, but at least they had to write a script each week. Power Rangers is the absolute height of Monster of the Week syndrome. The trailer does the complete opposite of what its sole purpose is. I now have no desire to see this movie because I know exactly what will happen. In fairness, they were always on, on a hiding to nothing. They were always on a hiding to nothing. That must be Australian. I don't. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, no, they were basically said they never hit anything. Okay, okay. Is there, yeah, you always knew. Uh, their main draw cards are martial arts, fighting, crazy costumes, and com- 
combining robots. Now, if this reboot had happened 10 years ago, they might have gotten away with it. But now we live in a world with Marvel quality costumes, incredible fight scenes from movies like The Raid, and regardless of your thoughts on the franchise, I think that's a shot at you and I, Paul, uh, there are only one giant robot that matters, and that's Optimus effing Prime. To paraphrase... <laughs> <laughs> to paraphrase your own show lyrics, no, no, Power Rangers. <laughs> so my question to the panel is, if you're a writer-producer and someone handed you the Power Rangers franchise, what's your pitch? Do you think it's even possible to reinvent it for the modern audience, or would you just pass it on to Fox and let them screw it up? Apologies to any hardcore Ra <laughs> any hardcore Rangers fans out there, but if you're looking for a worthy franchise to hit your wagon to, me, Leo, Donnie, Raph, and Mikey are always happy to have you. Hashtag sorry not sorry, Frank. <laughs> Man, that's oh. a really great question uh -huh. that he he posed yeah. today. I don't. Yeah. Oh man, I don't know that there's a good way to do it because I don't. Part of the problem with like playing off a classic franchise like that, at least, okay, Power Rangers is not high theater. Okay, we know this. Frank just told us about it. <laughs> we know. We knew. I mean, we all knew that. Um, but the thing is, for kids of the 90s, it, you know, it kind of, it's kind of like Pokemon, you know? The, po the original Pokemon TV show is tough to sit through. It's it's real tedious. It's real juvenile. You know what I mean? Like it's real. We're just gonna like bash you over the head with what we're trying to say at all times. There's no subtlety. There's no nuance. Whereas, for example, one of my favorite animated things of all times, Avatar: The Last Airbender, is the opposite of that. Where it's a very complex story with a lot of great characterization and awesome action sequences and all that stuff. It was a beautiful show, fantastic show. Um, it's going to be one of our best shows. I mean, sorry. Uh, I can't help but slip into that impersonation sometimes. Um, you know, but like Power Rangers was never that. It was never particularly articulate. It was never particularly deep or meaningful. There were some subplots, you know, they especially in the outside of the suits, outside of the robots part. They would occasionally explore some relevant, you know, storylines to kids like they dealt with bullying and stuff like that, um, which I think a lot of kids shows do. You know what I mean? Um, but I mean, ultimately, from the beginning, it's kind of been always been a flawed expedition, right? Like it's they took a Japanese TV show. They took all the action scenes from it, and then they had Western people play all those parts and dub all over the lines when they're outside of the costumes, and then they dub the lines in the costumes. You know what I mean? Like, it's that was never a recipe for success. Um, yet, it was wildly popular for a while, um, just because little little kids, particularly little boys, don't give a shit about plot. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, I want to see ninjas and robots. And if I see ninjas and robots, I'm going to sit here and watch this. Even if I'm not watching it, like, you know, glue to it, I'm going to watch it. Um, so that's the thing. I, I don't know that you could turn it into something crazy. Unlike the first Transformers film, if you guys recall, I've talked about this before on the show, the first Transformers film, the first half of that film was a really interesting take on the franchise because it was building up to be a very different film than the second half of the film ended up being. You know what I mean? Where they established the crack team of young like hackers and scientists and they're figuring out, you know, like they really treated it 
in what I consider to be a particularly interesting perspective, but then they threw all of that plot that they built up when they got to the third act. They were just like, whew, out with the bathwater. You know what I mean? Um, just gone. And then that just turned into Rock'em Sock'em giant Transformer robots. Um, and I, I don't know that you could really improve on Power Rangers at that point. That's not real. You said it best. Yeah, this is for the fans. This is for the the little kids, and then the little kids inside the big kids of who just want to see robots and ninjas. You know, and every damn time I'm perusing the trailers on Hulu or any of the other apps that you can watch trailers on. My wife's there, and we watch trailers together. Uh, like the other night, we were watching trailers, and it came across Power Rangers. I went to hit play just to watch. I haven't actually seen the whole damn trailer, and I like the idea of ninjas and robots mm-hmm. and Brian Cranston. That's it. That's the whole movie to me. You go ask me what Power Rangers is about: ninjas, robots, Brian Cranston. That's it. So, I, but every time, wait, wait, every time I go to hit play, I'm always like, nope, nope, <laughs> no, don't you do it. <laughs> so I cannot watch this trailer in my so household. It, apparently, it was chronicle. <laughs> that's what it was. So the the trailer yes the, the trailer the trailer for this well, I know it took you like I know, an hour to Google um, <laughs> your Google food needs some Asian um, washing man no I, I I wanted to talk about it again because it was it came up again because that's that's all that the trailer was to me was Chronicle with a bunch of different colored Iron Man suits I and I, I don't need those I don't need that chocolate and peanut butter mixed I don't I, I don't know. It didn't do any. This none of these trailers have done anything for me. And well, to be fair, to be fair, <laughs> uh, I was going to say the Iron Man suits thing. I think is just the modern spandex isn't going to cut you, it. No, I, right? I agree a hundred percent. But you don't have to make them look like yeah. Mark fourteen armor either. That's it's, that's true. And, and I mean, that's yeah, yeah, dude. That's how you get the Marvel <laughs> audience to come see it. Um, the that's the right. only other thing that I could think of if I didn't want to equate it to the Iron Man armor it would be the Giver. And oh god, though that and, was great. But movie. either one, yeah, e- either one, I don't think I want associated with this. But again, to be fair, Power Rangers sure. was a little bit behind me by the time I was out of that that type of programming. Or I was out of that type of programming by the time this it, it really started to explode. I went and saw the movie in theaters because my friends were going. I didn't really think anything of it. I wasn't like, oh yeah, and I got to go watch all the Power Rangers. I was like, yeah, okay, I'm done now. Yeah, the movie was pretty rough, to be fair. Um, but I know that we wouldn't yeah. have gotten the big bad Beetleborgs if not for the Power Rangers and whatever. Wasn't there a race car one too, or was that just another iteration of the Power Rangers? Well, they, they do a different theme every year in Japan. So well, no, no, because there was there was the, the there was Power Rangers and that then there was the big bad Beetleborgs, and I thought there was a third property that spun off of. Oh yeah, I don't. I don't know about any of that. I mean, the thing was, as much as I loved Power Rangers when I was in, like, first, second grade, I also didn't have Fox Mm. at the time, so I couldn't watch it. Like, where I lived in the country, like, uh, we we didn't get it until I was, like, Uh in junior high. That that station didn't come in, uh, because I think the broadcasting changed. And yeah, so I didn't get to watch it most of the time when I was a kid, so I'd only see it, like, if I visited my friends. Oh, that's a whole lot of X-Men you were missing, too. I feel so bad for you. Oh, dude, I miss so much X-Men. I used to love it. Oh, yeah, I don't know that I would even touch this property. Me, personally, I would have... I I actually think it's kind of crazy that it got greenlit for a feature like the film. Like, I, I do think it's a really... I think it's somebody throwing money at anything from the 80s or 90s and yeah. seeing what sticks. 
You know what I mean? I I, I don't think we're going to see another Power Rangers film. I don't uh, I don't expect this to be a great film. I'm going to probably go see it just because I want to see it. You know what I mean? I want to see how bad it is. I mean, you know, to be fair, Elizabeth Banks deserves it. You know? <laughs> I mean, I deserve oh. Elizabeth Banks, I guess. What I'm trying to say. I thought you were saying that in the negative. I thought maybe she had done something to slight you. And <laughs> no, <laughs> Elizabeth Banks deserves a horrible yeah. movie. Man. Well, I mean, the funny part is we already got Rita Repulsa in the uh, uh, freaking Hunger Games yep. movies, right? Yeah, basically. Like, I mean, they probably just recycled a bunch of that wardrobe. So, <clears throat> all right. Uh, I guess that's it. We just got a Peter Peter Pan down there. <laughs> well, I have to breathe once in a while. I can't just rant the entire time. I, you know, I challenge accepted. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure how to well, challenge. We haven't heard from the king of giant robots. What I mean, oh, I was I was well beyond. No, no, but when it came out, if you're if you're the producer, crap. are you gonna are you gonna pass on this? Do you have a way to to make this? No, if I honestly, if I'm the producer, I'm gonna call up my buddy Michael Bay and see how they do it right. That's what I want to do. Do it um, right. Wow. Wow. Hold on. Rita Repulsa will be played by by Melissa McCarthy. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm already improving the film, right? Michael B. Anthony will be the White Ranger because I like to mix it up a little bit. You mean Michael B. Jordan? No. Michael B. Anthony will be the, <laughs> will be the White Ranger. I don't know who Michael B. Anthony is. Michael Anthony, um, uh, uh, Dead Zone, right? Um, uh, National Lampoon's Vacation. Yeah. Michael Anthony Hall. Anthony, Anthony, oh, Michael, Michael Hall. Anthony. Michael Hall. Okay. And whatever. Wow. Like, wow. Dude, you've listened to my shows and known me long enough. You should be able to get from A to P <laughs> and help the audience get there as well. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I have to get a connecting flight somewhere around L, yeah. right? Like, he just told us how much snow yeah. he has, Charles. There are no connecting flights. They've all been grounded. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, I saw that picture of my only instant coffee riddled brain went, nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. I'm good where I am, man. I'm not going to be that 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 D-bag that sends you a picture of sunshine going, well, it's 80 degrees here, which it's not. But I saw all that. So I was like, nope. I'm yeah. good. For the folks oh. at home uh, here in the Northeast, we got slammed by a nor'easter and got like almost three feet of snow overnight yesterday. So, yeah, it's kind of yeah. wild. Yeah. Oh, hey, here we go. Uh, quick little update. FX renews Legion. It says there's a catch. So let's pop that out. But um, so you got to service the fanboys, right? You got to you got to play to the old timey fans of the show, but you really need to get it to be valid today and grab a new audience. You know, I, I think that in order to do that right, you have to you have to take a Logan spin on it. Let's stop making it about cheesy robots and weird alien villains and let's let's make it Flight of the Navigator. Right? Let's make it uh Last Starship Fighter where the the kids really have no effing clue what's going on and you the audience are with them learning every step of the way until the big reveal and of course it's going to be a monster of the week that's power rangers you can't do that without it but at the end then you get the robots then you get the fight then maybe somebody dies you know 
Take it in a different Let, direction. Let's make it like Ender's Game, but with robots. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Ender's Game had like one tone. It was me all the way through. Well, so. Ender, Ender's Game, the book is based The book, on, yeah. It, it's a it's a deeply introspective book. It's mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. it's not popcorn and beer fair, and I don't know why they tried to do the movie the way they did. I mean, the movie was yeah. fine. It wasn't great, but it wasn't It was okay. Yeah. Um did, is uh Lion's Pride is that the sequel or is that a different series? I think that's a different series. I think it's a different series. There's a similar series about kids and and being groomed well, to control stuff. You know, to touch back on the, the Power Rangers thing a little bit, that's something that's been pointed out by other critics of this film and the premise of the show and the film. Why the hell are these galactic-like powers emplacing the fate of the universe in kids? Like, wh- why are they giving superpowers and robots to teenagers? I mean, we don't let teenagers drive our cars half the time, right? <laughs> right. Why the f- wh- on what planet is it a good idea to give them a giant three-story well, to be robot? Fair, it looks like it, from the trailers, um, the kids stole the keys to the car. <laughs> I don't know. Well, they actually handed them and said <laughs> to have fun. Right. Yeah, but then Brian Cranston went, all right, we'll roll with uh, it. I mean, he's, he's, is it Zod is the name of the character? Zod, What's the name Zordon. of the character? It's the big computer? Yeah. Zordon? He, he, no, no, no. Yeah. Zod is who you kneel before, yeah. Charles. And he got his neck snapped, much to Chris's joy. And so. then he was your doomsday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, real quick update before we jump out of here FX has ordered a second season of Legion. They just announced it today. However, fans of the surreal drama will have to wait until 2018 to see it. Uh, that's not a real big catch or a surprise because we're mid 2017 and it's just finishing up. Yeah, I mean, so that's not a that's not really a catch, but it is coming back, so that is really cool. And Chris, once you get through it all the way, I would love to know the Easter eggs that I'm missing, you know, because I don't recognize any characters so far none of the names none of the powers and i wanted to know if it's actual some of that's actually rooted in yeah i'd have to look because i don't know that it is still again i'm not convinced that this all isn't just in his head and that these aren't just the names he's given his personalities um but i mean there's already been a couple things that i'm kind of like like i don't understand why they gave him a sister i'm like eh, i don't know why david holler needed a sister all of a sudden um, they could have done. They could have done. Maybe he doesn't have a sister. It's somebody to give him a reason but to. They could have done that around. with a mother, which he had. That's true. I thought she uh, was his mother at first. So no. did I. Yeah, that yeah. was kind of an unexpected mm-hmm. twist. And I also because yeah. that actress I'm familiar with her. The league. Yeah. The mm-hmm. league in a it's so hard things. for me to watch yep. her in anything oh, other league. than the league. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, when she's trying to be serious, so I'm like, where's I'm like, the dick joke? I'm like, come on, Jenny. This isn't you. What are you doing? <laughs> so, all right, all right. We're going to get out of here, but there's a lot of great stuff to catch up on. Next week, we'll be talking, uh, hopefully, we'll be talking non-spoilers about Iron Fist and giving our spin on that and more stuff. So we'd love you for you to reach out to us like Frank did, Agent Frank. Uh, <laughs> God, that's such a, it takes too long to tell that story, but that was so fun. Uh, but email is btp at giantsizeteamup.com. That's B is in breaking, T is in the, P is in panel at giantsizeteamup.com. Facebook is 
breaking the panel. Twitter is panel breakers. Find us on iTunes and give us a rating, giantsizetboat.com forward slash support. You can get to our Patreon. You can do PayPal. You can definitely subscribe through iTunes. Find all our social media there as well as a bunch of other amazing and awesome shows that are on the Giant Size Team Up Network. So giantsizeteamup.com forward slash support. We'll get you everything you need. So tune in next week to hear Christopher uh, say. Uh, 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 again, I don't. I'll get it. Give me a minute. <laughs> I don't. Mike, we got to cut some of this out. This is bad. I'll remember it later. That's all. Breaking the Panel is the flagship podcast on the Giant Size Team Up Network. You can support the show at patreon.com slash breaking the panel, and you'll find more of our amazing podcasts at giantsizeteamup.com.